Tony Katz. It's Kendall and Casey. The Amber and Nigel Show. All right, well, when does your show start? Do we know? I feel like I've been promoting this for nine years now. This is the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Good evening and welcome to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. Let's hop right into the news because there is breaking news out of Maine. Maine's Secretary of State has just banned former President Donald Trump from the presidential and primary ballot in 2024. Uh, This is pending appeal, so uh, that is quite the twist. Uh, This was kind of an unexpected decision out of Maine, at least for a few more weeks, probably until the Supreme Court heard uh, the case, and now it looks like Maine is what was going to join Colorado, and now Colorado has flipped as well. Today, Colorado's Secretary of State announced that Trump is back on the ballot, unless the Supreme Court rules otherwise. So Colorado is out, Maine is now in, and Trump is in in Colorado and out in Maine. Uh, so things are going downhill on this, the last a day of the year for this podcast anyway, for this broadcast. And of course, that's what we're here to bring you. Uh, Nikki Haley is in some serious hot water over her Civil War comments. And uh, it really should be said at this point that Nikki Haley has produced more blunders in the primary portion of her race than Donald Trump produced up through 2016. So the entire Trump candidacy, remember there were about three or four major stories about Donald Trump that were constantly circulating. It appears that every time Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina, gets in front of a microphone, she shoves her heels into her mouth repeatedly. Uh, Recently, um, yesterday in a town hall in New Hampshire, which is where Nikki Haley is fighting for her life right now, she's trying desperately to get her polls up to 40%. Right now, she's around 13% to 31%, depending on the pollster. Donald Trump is still carrying that state pretty well. And again, after uh, the blunder that we're getting ready to talk about and after uh, nearby Maine's decision, Donald Trump is not going to be losing any ground in New Hampshire. But a uh, voter at this uh, town hall run by CNN uh, asked Nikki Haley um, what the cause of the Civil War was. Uh, Some might say that that's kind of a weird question to ask a presidential primary candidate in in 2023. Uh, Some may say that with the unrest in the United States and also the concerns over uh, what could be a very serious issue, um, if states are allowed to just ban presidential candidates from the ballot whenever, that maybe it's prescient that we ask about the Civil War. Also, uh, Nikki Haley is the former governor of South Carolina where the Civil War began. Now, this is a very easy question for any politician from dog catcher all the way up to commander in chief to answer. You say the Civil War was in its largest part due to slavery. And there were also a lot of ancillary factors that played in because not all people in the North cared about slavery and not all people in the South cared about slavery, but the vast, vast majority did. It is why the Republican Party was created. It is what the Democrats tried to hold on to long after the Civil War ended. And it is that fact that should have been stated. And then you can start talking about individual rights and states' rights and the power of the federal government and the abuse of the federal government power that was instituted during the Reconstruction era in certain parts and gluing the country back together. That is a presidential answer. Nikki Haley didn't do that. Nikki Haley said, I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people couldn't do. Uh... When, when you say what people couldn't do, what specifically are you talking about? Former governor, UN ambassador, Nikki Haley, because um, 
I can think of a few things that people weren't allowed to do after the Civil War um, and with the ratification of the 14th Amendment. So uh, given that really weird blunder, uh, Haley then kind of makes it really awkward and asks the person in the town hall, well, what do you think the cause of the Civil War was? Uh, which um, uh, the voter pointed out, I'm not running for president of the United States. I asked a question at a town hall. I thought maybe you might be able to answer it. And, and Nikki Haley deflected um, and she got roasted for it. So she went into a lengthier explanation about the role of government, individual freedom, capitalism, blah, blah, blah. And then the questioner then admonished Haley, which this is kind of questionable, but, you know, fair because Nikki Haley goofed so bad. It's the year 2023. It's astonishing to me that you would answer this question without mentioning the word slavery. And you might say, well, don't you feel bad for Nikki Haley being ganged up on by the media? You know she doesn't support slavery, and that's true. I do know that Nikki Haley doesn't support slavery. She has walked the statement back and obviously doubled down on the very obvious truth that slavery was bad. You know, very bold, brave statements. Uh, But the problem is that Nikki Haley spent the last couple of years going after people like Donald Trump for things that he said that were kind of murky or not outright explicitly what the line is that you are to read in grammatical order and went after DeSantis for the falsely named don't say gay bill and went after a lot of Republicans that she felt didn't say the right thing. See, here's a secret. For a long time, Nikki Haley ran her presidential campaign like uh, Ted Cruz on a year time delay. She would say whatever Ted Cruz said about one year to the date. In fact, there were a couple of times that I found Ted Cruz actually tweeting out something on six month and year ago markers almost to the hour. And that was how Nikki ran. She basically said whatever was safe. And then when you, is the further you get into the presidential campaign, can't do that anymore because people are asking for answers to questions that are more upfront and immediate and you actually need to be competent. And here's the secret. Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley is empty and vapid and knows nothing about governing an entire country. She knows very little about history. She is an accountant who did kind of a shoddy job of balancing the budget of, of South Carolina. Her only major legislative victory when she was governor after serving in the state legislature was that she made it a rule that uh, there were no longer allowed to be just voice votes and no one knew whose state legislate, legislator voted for which bills. So she she added a measure of accountability. She's done nothing else since then of her own volition. Nothing at all. As the UN ambassador, she parroted the agenda of the administration who appointed her. That's it. That's all she has done. And she has nothing to offer, which is why it is bewildering to me that groups like Americans for Prosperity are funding Haley. Uh, that's the not Trump candidate you're going for, really? That this is your your silver bullet. Uh, th- there was a, a joke that's been made. There are a lot of conservatives that are arguing about a calendar and whether um, I, I guess that women should, should dress in bikinis on calendars. And in amidst this whole thing, it, sh- it was said that there should be a conservative calendar, but it's just each month a photo of Nikki Haley screwing up really easy questions. Here are some of the things that Nikki Haley can't answer. Uh, she stated that all social media accounts that are anonymous should be made illegal. She's given land to China. She thought that George Bush's nation-building strategy was a great way to fight in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, Up until about two weeks ago, she believed that the state should not be allowed to keep kids from child abuse in in the situation of transgender surgeries. Um, She has stated that it's wrong to ask Ukraine to report where their funding is going in foreign aid. Um, She stated that every 30 minutes on TikTok makes you 17% more anti-Semitic. 
Uh, she said that the reason Hamas attacked Israel on October the 7th was because that was Putin's birthday and she was dead serious. She had like a whole conspiracy theory, red yarn connecting photo style speech. Um, and then also miss, uh, make sure the taxpayer's money is spent well, had $50,000 curtains purchased at the expense of the taxpayer while she was the ambassador to the United Nations. So um, Nikki Haley sucks, and I'm tired of pretending otherwise. She's an awful candidate, and I love that she is putting all of her hopes in New Hampshire because she has no chance at winning Iowa. DeSantis at this point has no chance at winning Iowa. It is going to be Donald Trump. And the moral of this story is that the stupidest thing on earth that Donald Trump could do would be to pick Nikki Haley as his running mate. She is atrocious. She is like Kamala Harris and Hillary Clinton. Um, and the best part about that kind of example is that Kamala Harris does more damage for Biden than helping her with the fact that she's a woman of color or whatever the equity chart says we're supposed to say this month. Nikki Haley would be the same thing for Republicans. She has no qualifications whatsoever other than the fact that she parroted Trump's plans to the UN. Donald Trump is being incredibly aloof about a picking a vice president. I think there's probably a good chance that he picks someone like Byron Donalds or Ben Carson. Um, I just think that's more likely. I don't see Trump picking Nikki Haley because Nikki Haley said some pretty nasty things about Trump and some nice things about Trump. So it depends on if Trump remembers what was said about him, because that's genuinely how Trump picks candidates is whoever said the most nice things about me. So up next, we're going to be talking to Indy Spanglish and a little bit of awful tweets there. You are listening to the Tony Kinnick cast on 93 WIBC. Awful tweets, awful tweets, the ones that no one ever deletes. Awful tweets, awful tweets on the Tony Kinnick show. On 93 WIBC. Welcome back to the Tony Kinnickast on 93 WIBC. You heard the jingle for the last time in 2023. That's right. It's time for Awful Tweets with Jerry Lopez, Indie Spanglish over on Twitter. And uh, I got to tell you, man, we're going to start off this week with uh, one you would not expect. That's right. An awful tweet from none other than the Pope on Christmas Day. Here we go. The Pope says, To say yes to the Prince of Peace then means saying no to war, to every war. To the very mindset of war, an aimless voyage, a defeat without victors, an inexcusable folly. To say no to war means saying no to weaponry. Gotta love it. Gotta love when the Pope puts out that tweet on Christmas. As if they didn't fight a lot of wars back in the religious days. Oh, not only that, but several Catholic saints and uh, authors over time have made it very clear that there is a point in which war is appropriate. Um, it's knowing when to and to not go to war. But the best part, the best part is that uh, the Vatican is surrounded by walls and lots of armed guards. So uh, if you're going to say no to weaponry, uh, it seems like those who are being guarded never want to be the first to give up the guns. Hey, it seems to be a common theme among the left, right? Like uh, I can have guns, but you cannot. Well, I have one for you. Sure, it's, uh, sure. From a Miss Jen M. Jackson, who has a Ph.D. and her pronouns are they, them. And Jen just wants a general reminder that blacks people, like indigenous people, cannot be racist against white people. Racism is a systemic and processual ecosystem involving mass surveillance, economic control, information censorship, state-sanctioned violence, and institutional discrimination. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. And, and of course, uh, her bio includes that uh, she's the author of Black Women Taught Us. I, 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 I'm sorry. I love how like weirdly obsessed, uh, this group of individuals is with like the fact that someone is black and has a vagina as though that imbues magical power to you. But my favorite part is apparently I didn't even read this when you sent it. She includes indigenous people. So, uh, congratulations, yeah. my dude. Uh, cause you know, Boom, you can't uh, be racist, we, TK. I, we, we can't be racist. Oh, finally. I, we made I it. can't wait to get out the big book of racial slurs and start reading them over the air. That's <laughs> well, how exciting. Goodness gracious. All right. Well, you, we were talking about firearms and racism, so maybe it's time uh, that we elevated it a little bit. Maybe instead of some goober author, we, maybe we bring up comments from an attorney general. Attorney General Keith Ellison of Minnesota said, automatic weapons are illegal and a threat to public safety. Bump stocks make some guns fire like automatics. Today, I urge the Supreme Court to uphold a federal ban on bump stocks. The last thing we need are more lethal guns in the hands of dangerous people. I mean, isn't most of this stuff already illegal? I don't understand. I don't understand uh, what the issue is. <laughs> so we can, we can break this one down. First of all, automatic weapons are not illegal. Um, they are hidden behind a tax stamp that you have to pay. They are prohibitively expensive. Right. Um, number two, there's a difference between semi-automatic weapons and fully automatic weapons. Um, number Big difference. two, Big the difference. weapon in and of itself, right. The weapon in and of itself is not a threat to public safety. It's just not. I'm sorry, but a, a fireman's axe is a weapon. It can be used as a weapon. Um, but when it's sitting there in the cabinet behind a glass, it's not a threat to public safety. Uh, bump stocks making some guns fire like automatics. Uh, they make it sound so sinister. It's literally just a really crappy spring, um, and it makes your accuracy just horrible. Uh, they're stupid. If you have a bump stock on your gun, I, it's a silly thing to waste on a firearm. Um, but no, it, it's not anything. just such a pathetic thing to ban a piece of plastic. This is my favorite part, though. He says, the last thing we need are more lethal guns in the hands of dangerous people. Uh, because we all know that all of the kinds of guns that aren't lethal... Um, yeah, just taking out my, uh, friendly neighborhood non lethal I guess he's talking about Nerf guns as opposed to, and then he says in the hands of dangerous people, cause we all know that what really makes a gun dangerous is, um, slapping a bump stock on it and not the mental health of the person. So really great stuff from Minnesota's attorney general. Just fantastic. <laughs> well, how about this one? It's from uh, one of our favorite, uh, publications, the New York times and the New York times has this to say. Justice Clarence Thomas has assembled a network of former clerks who serve as powerful agents of his conservative ideology, wielding influence at the Ooh. nation's law schools, top law firms, the judiciary, and the highest reaches of government. How dare he, right? Do, do, do they not know that like Harvard and other Ivy League professors who are very left-wing keep track of like their former students? And like people network with those that like they've worked with. Do people not know this? Do people not think I just had Daniel Buck on yesterday? Daniel Buck and I founded Chalkboard Review together. Um, and so therefore we communicate every once in a while. I still keep up with Governor Scott Walker. He was a boss of mine. I know this is terrifying. I love they're trying so desperate. They're so angry that there's a black man on the Supreme Court that does not agree with them. That it, it enrages them so much. So they're they're mad that the guy mentors people. That's that's uh, that's some super duper stuff. Well, let's talk about some of the mentees, the people that really need mentoring. Uh, this is from a person named Brad, I guess. 
Uh, they said, we need an alcohol-free queer space for adults with no friends to meet each other. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, that hey, that, that is the awful you. tweet. That's the awful tweet of the year, TK. That's it. That's I, the I winner. What's stopping you? Like, if you can't find other <laughs> queer people who don't want to drink Maybe. when they meet up, first of all, just reading your tweet makes me want to drink. Maybe it's your personality. Maybe it's, maybe it's not anything else. Maybe your personality is why you don't have friends. <laughs> I also love the entitled wow. idea of the tweet being like, oh, we are owed. We need some kind of a space. Someone else provide a space like this for me. We used to have spaces, by the way, uh, for people who identified as, as queer, who wanted to meet and, and, and hang out with each other, people who were experiencing uh, transgender vibes and all other kinds of nonsense. Uh, they were called state-run mental institutions, and we shut them all down. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, just a nice comment to get me canceled before the end of the year. What do you have? Do you, do you have any other I, final tweets? I, I thought you had one I, from the I New got Yorker. A, I, just yeah, I got else. one. From, I got one for yeah from the New Yorker. I this is a good one for me to go out on on uh, 2023. So the first crossword puzzle was published in the U.S. in 1913. The puzzle has since okay. spread across the globe, the, uh, but the American crossword today doesn't always reflect the multiculturalism that immigration brings. <laughs> <laughs> so every fifth one is going to be in Spanish. I don't know what they want. I don't know what they want. <laughs> <Is> there... <laughs> is, there, is there someone out there? First of all, I don't need a crossword. But I'm wondering if there's someone that like gets the New York Times crossword or whatever crossword you're you're working on, um, who's who's like getting down and they're like, hey hey Jan, I don't see any Slovakian verbs in letter nine B. <laughs> People will find oh. anything to complain about. Well, I tell you, this was just a a quality selection, and uh, we'll really enjoy having you on the air. And I guess this this is time for our big announcement. Um, for the first week, while I am gone following the new year, I, uh, we have another kid that is almost ready to be born. And so when that child arrives from this moment forward, uh, Jerry Lopez will be taking over the show for a week. Really appreciate your uh, being willing to hop on and cover for me a bit, dude. Definitely, definitely. And congratulations, prayers to you and the wife for a, for a safe delivery and a healthy baby and Really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to drive the bus for the next week while you're gone. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Oh, I've read the comments. Uh, the people are, are quite quite a big fan of yours, so that, that'll be great. Looking forward to that. Uh, and uh, we'll have to see all of the shenanigans that you get into. You are listening to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. The Tony Kinnacast. On 93 WIBC. And welcome back to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. Since I'm out of here in uh, exactly 26 minutes to go on what is planning to be a beautiful time with my wife, with our daughter, and with baby uh, number two. Uh, I, there are a little bit of housekeeping things that we have to go over so that y'all don't burn the place down while I'm gone because I am going to squeeze every last bit of paternity leave out of this that I can. I'm tired. I'm tired of a lot of people. I'm tired of some of you. 
Uh, mainly just to those of you that still think Chick-fil-A breakfast is better than Hardee's. But I digress. It's on to more important things. Uh, because there are a couple of really important issues uh, that we kind of have to shut the door on um, so that people don't lose their minds uh, while I'm away. Uh, number one is, is climate change. Look, I've heard from 546 people now uh, that apparently, um, I, I guess that this is the warmest December on record, and we're all sweating and melting, and we've never ever had a December where it didn't snow on Christmas, and oh my gosh, we've never had a December where it was just so aching hot. I'm getting sunburn in my house when it's dark. It's terrible. No. No, guys, it's it's not. I'm going to put on my science teacher hat for, for just a moment and remind you um, that there are, first of all, we've only been measuring temperature uh, for about 170 years. And the first 20 or 30 of those years in the 1850s, 60s, and 70s that we were measuring temperature, we were really bad at it. So we've only been measuring temp. So they're like, this is the hottest temperature ever recorded. Yeah, that's about 150 years of uh, of solid temperature being recorded. Um, it has been warm in cold parts of the country quite a bit. I will remind you, the movie White Christmas starts with it being 65 or 70 degrees in Vermont in December, right before Christmas. Um, Americans have known about warm Decembers quite a bit. Uh, and as climate patterns shift, um, because you guys do know that, that basically the climate patterns of the Earth are governed by the currents, the things in the ocean that scientists didn't even know existed, up until uh, very recent in our scientific memory, uh, those govern those currents govern the climate, and those currents uh, shift from time to time, and uh, the climate changes. Now, what you will notice in the great state of Indiana is that winter is lasting longer in the year. Remember, like for the last three or four Marches, Aprils, and Mays in a row, there are like frosts. It's like May twenty third, and there's frost, and and there was a, goodness, there was a snow two years ago on like May tenth. Winter is lasting longer. The climate, things are moving. I, I hate to tell you guys this, but um, you realize that nature doesn't actually follow the 365-day calendar um, and that also moisture and temperature are not so inadvertently locked into each other. Uh, this is why sometimes over the, the last several decades, there have been periods of drier weather in the fall and periods of wetter weather in the fall. Just ask any farmer who has to wait for the corn to dry out at this time of year, or excuse me, in, in October or November, thank God all the corn's up now. But when you look at the climate pattern shift, no, we don't need to sit here and pretend that the sky is falling because the argument in favor of climate, that climate change is happening, we're all gonna die because of man-made emissions, states that in the last 30 years, the average global temperature has gone up by like two degrees Fahrenheit. Two degrees Fahrenheit, dose. So, um. Two degrees Fahrenheit is not enough to make this the warmest December due to climate change. If you think two degrees makes that big of a difference, which by the way, like those studies are like disproven all the time. The earth has not really increased and in, outside of what's considered the normal cyclical measure. We've recorded things in history about warm Decembers. I will remind you that Shakespeare like never mentions snow, despite a lot of his plays being set in winter. The reason is because at that time in England, it didn't snow in December. It didn't snow until like mid-February. And then during Dickens' time, well, Dickens could never shut up about snow in his literature works. So, uh, no, you, the sky's not falling on, on that particular instance. Uh, what the sky could possibly be falling just a little bit is the U.S. economy. So, according to a graph 
that was put out by Dr. E.J. and Tony. Um, there is kind of a a rough situation uh, that's currently happening in the Fed over the last two years. So from 2011 to 2019, the, the Fed's uh, money gains and losses were pretty stable. Um, it wasn't really gaining any money, wasn't really losing any money. Uh, then under the, the Trump administration, um, it kind of dipped just a little bit in its overall gains for the years. Uh, and in about 2022, the Fed's losses started compounding, you know, because we ran that money printer around the clock and then some. So in the last two years, the Fed has lost over uh, $130 billion. And that's very serious because that is direct leverage into the value of the United States dollar. Interest rates are going down again, which is we discussed with Dr. E.J. Anthony is a very, very serious problem. The reason the stock market is currently hitting major highs is not because the economy is very strong. It is currently driven by fear and unmitigated greed. We are driving a train that a lot of fools think cannot stop. But inflation, like everything else, comes to call. As we talked about last episode, you do sow what, or you do reap what it is that you sow. And we have sowed quite a bit of inflation. So it does look like we're going to face a very serious inflation, or excuse me, a very serious inflation-driven recession in 2024 and into 2025. Uh, the feds should be continuing to raise interest rates to try to stave this off. They won't. Um, Democrats, when it comes to the economy, are some of the most short-sighted individuals on planet Earth. We'll talk about that when we come back in terms of Argentina. Uh, thank God Javier Malay is turning things around over there. But for the United States, it's going to be a very interesting year economically because President Biden is facing the dual beasts of the economy uh, and inflation driving the, infl the recession ever closer. And then the immigration crisis, which is insane and then some. New York City's Mayor Eric Adams is complaining that 4,000 immigrants monthly is too many for New York to handle while 150 to 200,000 immigrants are pouring across the southern border monthly. I guess Texas towns are supposed to handle that better. So the question for the GOP is, who are you going to put forward in the primary? Now, I have a very wonderful blessing, being that I uh, really, at this point, don't mind as much whether DeSantis or Trump wins the primary. I'm voting for DeSantis in the primary, but I will gladly vote for Donald Trump when he wins the primary at this point. And I have a treat being friends with both DeSantis people and Trump people, um, and I guess probably the occasional Nikki Haley fan, that uh, I will miss the primaries in January with Iowa and New Hampshire, and I'm looking to get one question answered. So I will either come back in February and tell you that I was right, or I will come back and tell you that I was wrong. I do not think at this present time that people are answering polls anymore. And so I think that in both primaries and in general election polls, they are very unreliable because people are not answering them anymore. You pick up the phone, you hear that, and you shut it immediately. You don't want to talk to people, especially about your politics. People aren't answering polls. The polls they are answering are usually tipped one side to the other by someone with a political interest in the polls. All of that to say, I'm, I'm just not sold. I'm just not sold that Iowa's going to turn out how we think. I think Trump has a definite lead. He's more than likely going to take Iowa sizably and New Hampshire as well. If that's the case, he's done. I still think that we're going to see polls that are, we're going to see election results that are very, very close in Iowa. And he's going to start, Trump is going to start to pull away. Uh, no, that doesn't mimic the polls, but that's because I'm not necessarily trusting that the polls 
which right now are either good polls or bad polls, depending on what the news of the poll is. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just not reading those tarot cards. Uh, I'm not trusting in that horoscope because the methodology's really fallen off for me as a statistics kind of guy. So maybe I'll come back and I'll say, I was wrong. Looks like polls are still good. I think the way the primary polls were conducted pretty much is how Trump performed in those primaries. As of right now, I'm not sold. And speaking of buying and selling, Argentina is turning things around really quickly. We're going to talk about what a real president does here in just a moment. You are listening to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. This is the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. Hello and welcome back to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. I'm Tony Kinnett, and the reason I introduce myself as Tony Kinnett is because this will be my last episode for just a little bit. My wife is getting ready to have our second child. And so in the meantime, Jerry Lopez, otherwise known as Indie Spanglish on Twitter, will be taking over the show for a hot moment. And that will be followed by Ethan Hatcher for a week. And then after that, Stephen Kent. He's from our Whatcha Watchin' segment, the Consumer Research Center. And you're going to need some of the best minds available to cover the absolute chaos of January, not just locally and not just in crazy foreign places like the Middle East, but down in places like Argentina, where there is phenomenal news. Uh, Wait just a moment. We're going to have to put that aside because we have some breaking news uh, from Maine. Again, in Maine, Donald Trump has been removed from the presidential and primary ballot. Uh, coming off the heels of Colorado actually getting that decision flipped today as Colorado's Secretary of State um, has uh, allowed Trump back on the ballot. So Maine's Secretary of State, a lady named Shenna Bellows, she tweeted, we need to come together around our democracy, around voting rights, which are fundamental to everything else we care about. She tweeted that in in March 1st of 2022. Um, So no, she doesn't actually care about voting rights. Uh, Caring about voting rights would be allowing people to vote for whomever they want to vote for. Um, and then convincing them that they shouldn't vote for Donald Trump, because this isn't really about Donald Trump. It has nothing to do with the former president of the United States. It's they don't want people to vote for former president Donald Trump. It's clear now that Trump is going to win the nomination. And so this is the left is played with fire. The left could have had Nikki Haley or DeSantis over Trump in their media coverage. But the left thought that by pushing Trump forward, they would be able to knock him over very easily against Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden Even before, he couldn't form a coherent sentence, but even now more so as his dementia is getting aggressively worse. Man looks like a disgruntled half-dead Roomba after a speech bouncing off of the walls of the podium and everything else. And not only is he suffering, but his policies are suffering. His His immigration policies are wildly unpopular. His inflation and Bidenomics, which he championed, are atrocious and are leaving a lot of Americans struggling under record numbers of credit card debt or family necessities like food and fuel. And so putting Trump up against that's kind of a bad thing because immigration and the economy are two are, are basically Trump's left arm and right arm. And so now freaking out, and honestly justifiably so, the Democrats are trying every last little thing they can to keep Trump out of the 2024 election. Because by all available metrics, both polls and based on those who have uh, started kind of flipping their script in some of these battleground states, Donald Trump could be walking away with a very close but still won victory in 2024. And the reason that this information is interesting is because we are looking at a different kind of Trump running in this election. Donald Trump is parroting a lot of the lines that 
for example, candidate Ron DeSantis put forward, which is basically getting into the presidential office and axing a lot of government agencies. That's different because Trump was very pro keeping entitlement and Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security the way that it was. We're not going to touch it, which is stupid. Uh, and then it looked like the vast majority of the Republican Party got behind destroying and getting rid of any federal agency that was hot garbage, the FBI, the Department of Education, etc. And so that now seems to be Trump's plan. And this is incredibly popular in other places of the world. Libertarian Javier Millet down in Argentina today banned government benefits from being labeled as free when paid for by taxpayers' contributions. The government now has to admit that the taxpayers are paying for things. And you may say, well, that's not really a big deal. After all, he's just talking about labels. In the last 18 days since President Javier Millet was inaugurated in Argentina, he has eliminated 12 out of the 21 cabinet positions. He has fired 5,000 government employees. He has ended 380,000 government regulations. He has banned woke language and philosophy in the Argentinian military. He has uh, introduced a bill to affirm the right to self-defense. He's introduced and passed a bill legalizing homeschooling in Argentina. He's put forward a proposal to punish all riot organizers by cutting any of their state welfare benefits or uh, kind of like Argentinian social security benefits if they participate in any vandalism or road blocking, which is fantastic. He's legalized for paying contracts in Bitcoin, eh, whatever. Uh, and he has also ordered that state-run companies be privatized so that Argentina can't artificially inflate their currency for like the 13th time in the last two centuries. And of course, he has also opened up the Argentina oil industry, which Argentina is going to need. To have a functioning economy, you have to have an economy. I don't care who the government is. If there is one thing that Rob Kendall and I agree on bit by bit, line by line, it is this. The government is absolute garbage. It is absolute cheeks when it comes to picking a good business strategy because the government is not accountable to the economy. It's not. The legislator is not accountable to profits and losses, is not accountable to having to pay for certain things. His salary is guaranteed by the state. So it's not important to him whether or not he makes a very wise business decision. Investors and those who seek very much to collect a dividend or perhaps a good or resource are very invested in the economy being beneficial. And this is why we're seeing Argentina actually turn its destroyed economy around. And now it's seeking dollarization, which of course strengthens the U.S. dollar. These are the kind of nations that the United States should be allying with. This is what a president should be doing when they get into office. The Federal Department of Education does nothing. Since Jimmy Carter created the great uh, Department of Education, no, not Jimmy Carter, since LBJ created, I, I, some things get stuck in your mind, folks. Since the Department of Education was founded in the 1970s, um, we have seen uh, some kind of interesting things. Uh, none of them are the increasing of mathematical or literacy standards. Um, we haven't actually seen any, we haven't actually seen any kind of improvement out of a lot of federal agencies. The Department of Energy has not increased U.S. energy output. The Department of Agriculture, as well as the Food and Drug Administration, have not increased the quality of U.S. foods and drugs. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms has not actually made the country any safer. And these regulatory federal agencies do one thing and one thing only. They pay a lot of bureaucrats out there, often Gooberland to do whatever it is that they want by passing non-congressionally enacted regulations, 
and then you have to pay for it. Can they be fired? Can those organizations be held accountable? Well, yes, by 37 layers of red tape that Congress absolutely never touches. So yes, we do need a president of the United States who's willing to get in there and smash a few things. And I know that a couple of my colleagues, both at this station and abroad in the state of Indiana, are terrified of the idea that Trump has revenge on the brain. Look, Trump is childish in a lot of the ways that he acts. Trump is actually kind of a neocon when it comes to his policies as far as foreign intervention is concerned. And when it comes to governing the economy, he's pretty interventionist. But if Donald Trump actually gets it through his head that he wants to get rid of the Department of Education, which he has now claimed that he wants to do, if he gets rid of a few of the other unregulated garbage heaps of federal bureaucracy, I would say that's a pretty successful president. Because in six years, I'm sorry, guys, but it's really not going to matter what kind of mean tweets that he wrote. It's really not going to matter if he got up in front of the place and and said that, well, he was going to get in there and enact some revenge. Uh, Giving the record of Republicans actually going after those who have broken the law politically, uh, I think it's a very slim chance. After all, Trump didn't put Hillary in jail. Um, And after all, Trump didn't actually get the wall built. So with Donald Trump, you get a lot of attitude and then a willingness to sign kind of whatever comes across his desk. Trump doesn't actually put forward a lot of legislation on his own, introducing measures to um, kind of lead a lot of things into the future. Um, no, I got it. I just got a message from Daniel Buck. It was Jimmy Carter. I was right the first time. Always go with your gut, kids. You just have to have to go with your gut on some things. That is about it. As you can tell, I'm tired and I'm ready for some paternity leave. So you guys have an excellent New Year's. I look forward to seeing you when I get back here in a couple of weeks. You have been listening to the Tony Kinnick cast on 93 WIBC.